I liked a lot of the things that the book promised. It promised that you'll have more clarity in your life. It promised that you might manage your time better. It promised that you might have better relationships. It promised that you might feel more creative. And for that, I was like, fine, if this can get me that, I'll do it. And, and all that has come true for me. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Our guest today is Doug Marshall. Doug is an entertainment and lifestyle writer an on-camera host, and a social media content strategist. He recently had an article published in Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine on how to KonMari your closet and participated in a follow-on TV segment with Fox 9 in the Twin Cities. Doug is a SparkJoy listener and fan who KonMari'd his closet over six days in preparation for a big move from New York to Minneapolis. The impact of the process and the impact it had on his life still shines through his spirit and he sparks joy by continuing to share his story via media outlets, blogs, and social media. Welcome to Spark Joy, Doug. Hello, and thanks for having me. And wow. by the way, you can write my bios going forward. Like, <laughs> you're an amazing copywriter. You're, what you just said about me sparked joy. So. Oh, good. Wow. Thank you. That. That's so great. So, Doug. Tell us about the moment that that little blue book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo, entered your life and how it helped you start a new chapter. So probably around the time that that book hit the New York Times bestseller list, I was still living in New York and everybody was talking about it at brunch. And, you know, probably like 10% of the people I knew had done it. And then there were I was part of that 90% that was like, I will never do that. That's insane. (laughs) Like, why would anybody do that? And, you know, I didn't know much about the book, never thought much about the book. Every now and then I'd hear people be like, oh, yeah, I did that closet thing. I I got rid of what didn't spark joy. And it was like, I don't know what that means. And so (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota two years ago. So I didn't do it before I moved from New York to Minneapolis. And when I moved from New York to Minneapolis, I brought everything with me because the move was rather quick. My husband got a job. And so I just packed everything. And I promised myself that I would go through it when I got here. And I never did. And so back in the spring, my husband and I we're moving from an apartment to a house. And I I had talked to a friend that had done this process. And she talked about it significantly. And I only half listened. But I always would get this feeling in the pit of my stomach anytime somebody talked about it. And I was like, I will never do that. That sounds awful. <laughs> and, you know, every now and then I'd go into my closet and I'd pull some things out and and I'd be like, I know how to purge so I don't ever have to do that. Look, I just got rid of 15 pairs of pants and it took three hours because I tried them all on <laughs> to make sure 
that they really didn't fit or I didn't need them, but I held on to a few because if I lose three pounds, I'll fit in them. I know how to purge a closet. And so when I was faced with moving, I was like, something about the book popped into my mind and I was like, I should really do this. And I walked into a bookstore and it was the first book I saw. (laughs) And I was like, within a week, I'm a big believer that if you put something out to the universe, the universe shows up for you. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I was moving. I knew I wanted to get rid of a lot of stuff and I didn't have a a ton of time. And I saw the book and I was like, all right, I'm going to read it. And I had a friend that had done the process. So she was kind of my sponsor. And so not only did I read the book, I got the audiobook so that I could listen to it being read while I read along so I could take notes. Oh, wow. And so the book showed up in my life uh, in, if we're going with a, a seasonal time span, it showed up in like middle of May and I was moving the first week of June and I had my in-laws coming at the end of May, so I knew I couldn't start tearing the apartment apart before they came. But I had started reading the book. And I told them that I was going to do this process, my in-laws, and they're like, you'll never do that. You won't be able to do that. You won't be able to do that within 10 days. And I said, well, I have to. I don't have a choice. Like, I have to be out of here in 10 days. And so I read through the book. I listened to the audiobook, and I thought it was nuts. I thought all the things that KonMari was talking about. Is that how we refer to her? Do we call her KonMari or do we call her Marie Kondo or? Everything, both. <laughs> yeah. We generally call her Marie and, and the Marie. method KonMari, but. Um, it's based right, on but, her name. So it's, so it's Marie. the uh, yeah. combination of her, you know, last name and first name. So it's kind of like a nickname for the method and for her. So either for one sure. works. Right. Mm-hmm. Perfectly fine. So we'll call her Marie. Mm-hmm. We'll call her Marie. <laughs> so I was probably like three quarters through the book and I really didn't feel good. I felt like I was getting sick. And one night, it was before I finished the book, I had the worst diarrhea. And I was like, oh my God, am I getting sick? What's wrong? Like, I really didn't feel good. And as soon as that was done, I went back down to read and I sat on the couch and I said to myself, I'm not getting sick. This is my body's violent reaction to the fear I'm having Mm -hmm. about what it would mean to actually do this process. And I hadn't even gotten to the part in the book where she talks about some people get the flu after they do the process or they, they find that they have diarrhea or they feel sick or they have stomach issues. I hadn't even read that part yet. I just instinctually knew I was like, Oh my God, I just had diarrhea because I'm really worried about this and I see the changes coming up and that's when I knew I had to do it. And then I got, and then I finished the book that night and I got to the part where she talks about some people have flu or stomach issues or diarrhea. And I was like, Oh my God, my instincts were right. Mm. And it wasn't until I got to the last two chapters where she talked about, where Marie talked about how she always felt very insecure growing up and not always very sure of herself. She didn't always trust people, but she could trust the way she organized and she could trust her things that she loved to bring her joy. And that's why she got so into it as a child, which has become her mission as an adult. And I started sobbing and I identified with that because I had my own, you know, cast of behaviors as a kid to... I guess like we will call them coping skills or or ways to feel like we're fitting in or 
ways that we feel like we're safe. And for her, it was organizing. For me, it was like escape and fantasy and drawing. And so because I didn't always feel like I fit in, I'm gay, I was bullied for being gay. And so I had my own coping mechanisms when I was younger to kind of tune out or to feel normal. And so when Marie talked about that in the book, that she, it it helped her feel safe in a world that she had no control over. I was literally bawling like a child. And when I wrote an article about it, I had that part in there that I was bawling like a child. And my husband was like, people won't understand what you mean. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they don't have to. Mm-hmm. That part did get edited out. But that was the point where I was like, okay, I trust her. Mm-hmm. I could do this. And by the time I finished reading the book, after I had that little meltdown in the end and the stomach issues prior to that, I couldn't wait to start. I literally was like, I have to do this. I now know that I'm meant to do this. And I think it says that in the book too. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're reading this book, you're meant to do it. If this book has entered your hands. And, you know, I just, in anticipation of doing this podcast, I finished a blog post about it because I didn't done a magazine article and I was, uh, I was contract that I couldn't post about anywhere else online for 60 days. And that 60 days literally just ended. And so I posted my blog post and in the last paragraph, I said, you know what, if you made it this far into these 2,444 words that you're at right now, this is your sign. If you actually read through it, you're meant to be doing it. Just do it. Don't question it. Just do it. Because I questioned it for years. I knew I wanted to do this years ago, but I didn't know I wanted to do it. And So my one thing that I will say is the minute you become willing to do it and the minute you go into your closet to start taking everything out, you're done. Because once you start that, once you go into your closet to physically bring things out, I personally don't think you stop. I've not heard many stories of people that stopped in the middle of this. I mean, maybe they have, but I think once you're willing and once you get to it, it happens. And maybe that's part of the magic too. Sure. And so that's how the book, the book found me. I avoided it for many years, (laughs) but I think this was the right time. And one of the things I wanted to test and all that has come true for me. Yeah. I strongly believe this is, it's an exercise almost in self-awareness, but also like self-care, self-love and understanding. Did you feel like your clutter was kind of giving you signals or teaching you anything about yourself throughout the process? Well, even prior to the process, I mean, I'd never read the book and I didn't know the lingo, but I'd be hanging out in my closet and I'd walk in there in the morning and I'd be like, oh God, nothing in here sparks joy. You know, and it's like, what does that even mean? (laughs) And, you know, as I started, I feel like there's a point where the universe wants something greater for you than you fully realize. And so little by little things start creeping in that were once acceptable, no longer become acceptable. Mm -hmm. They become unacceptable. And so that's the way my closet was feeling. It was like the walls were closing in around me and there was just so much stuff and I hated everything and I felt like I had nothing to wear. And actually, as I went through this process and after having completed it, I realized that I had more than enough to wear. There was just so much stuff in my closet that wasn't sparking joy that I couldn't see the stuff that did. And so that's kind of where the magic really happens is, you know, I never walk into my closet now saying I have nothing to wear. Uh, But to answer your question, it's, 
I learned once I got to the point of actually doing it, I was like, all right, great. And what I learned two things, first of all, after my mother-in-law was like, you'll never get all this done in six days. And I went through, I took all my clothes out. So I did clothes and belts and underwear and socks in one day, but it only took five and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And I'd never experienced anything like that in my life. And it was so much fun. So, I mean, I'm guessing listeners are familiar with the process, but for me, it took everything that was clothing related out of my closet. And I put it into sections like suits, shirts, pants, t-shirts, uh, shorts, gym shorts, sweaters, whatever. Mm -hmm. And as I went through it, in the beginning, I wasn't sure. Like, does this spark joy? Doesn't this spark joy? But the more I did it, the more I got it. And it was so much fun. And it was kind of like rummaging through something. And once I found it, it, if something sparked joy, it was kind of this like, I felt excited and I felt the item be excited. And that's what Marie talks about. She's like, mm-hmm. everything is energy. The clothes that don't spark joy don't feel bad because they don't want to be with you either. They're ready to have their next adventure. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very, you know, metaphysical believing person that things have energy and, you know, I can attribute life to certain things. And so I absolutely got that whole idea that if this sweater isn't sparking joy, it's ready for something new too. And I'm not doing it any favors by holding on to it. And there's somebody or something out there that will benefit from this. And so I blessed it and I put it, I bought, I bought white garbage bags. I felt dark seemed too like death like. And so I got these beautiful white garbage bags so that I put them into their new, <laughs> the vessel that was going to get them to their next home. And so when something did spark joy, it was like, oh, we found each other. It was this feeling of relief. And yeah. and it was also a feeling of relief when something didn't spark joy. And so once I kind of got through that five and a half hour period of my clothes, I put all the joy stuff on one couch and I looked through it and wanted to understand what stayed and what the relationship with w- is with what stayed. And what I'd come to find is there was so much clutter that I didn't really know what my style was. I had so much fashion. I had so much stuff, but I didn't know what my style was. And by the time I got rid of what didn't spark joy, my style revealed itself to me. And I learned stuff about what I truly love, which I think will really help me for shopping in the future. And what I learned is I'm very much a creature of habit and I have a uniform. And my uniform is uh, like a button-up shirt, mostly in plaids, um, bigger plaids, not too loud, uh, things that had smaller checks I got rid of. I found out that I really love the color gray, but only certain grays, like deep rich grays or like a warm mid gray. Grays that were too cool or didn't own their color, I got rid of. Anything that's like bright green, got rid of. I lived in New York. I was a red carpet reporter. I had so many suits and blazers and I just don't wear that anymore and you know I only have three sport coats maybe two two or three sport coats now and three sport coats and uh three suits and that's it and and yeah I had duplicates of everything it was like 
that's my other tip. Like I would buy something and I'd love the way it fit. I'd love the color. And so I'd buy the same cut of a pant in three different colors or the same style of the shirt in two other different colors, like the same plaid, two different colors. All those extras went. I still kept the original, even if it was the oldest, even if it was tattered. Trust the instinct of the original. And so, yeah, I bought, I would buy, I found one pair of pants from Erden Outfitters that I loved. So I bought several. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and those didn't stay. And I always was shopping in scarcity of like, oh, if I like this one pair of pants, I have to have four of them in different colors. And that's going to be that. And I never wore those as much. Wow. I'm so glad you hung in there and trusted the process. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's interesting. I don't think I've worked with a client or experienced um, or or know of anyone who has not experienced a drastic change in their shopping habits as a result. Mm -hmm. Um, Almost universally. And it's so interesting how I won't even ask people. They'll just volunteer. Oh, you know, I, I... I shop like this now and I, you know, I don't see shopping in the same way at all anymore. And, um, and I think it's just an exact direct result of just exactly what you're talking about. Our perception about what, what shopping means to Mm -hmm. us, our perception of what acquiring more things means to us and our appreciation for being really, aware of what it is we actually want to bring into our lives Mm -hmm. becomes so much more finely tuned as a result. Well, what's one thing that I will say on that front in, I kind of realized it today when I was writing the rest of my blog post and it goes back to identifying with how Marie felt when she was a child about her organizational process and what kept her safe and what kept her comfortable. For me, yes, I have great style. Yes, I'm known for my style ever since I was in second grade and wore like blazers and bow ties and penny loafers. Uh, one thing is that I always had so much of everything and I remember to where it came from. When I was in high school, I went through this like, preppy phase and I'm still very preppy, but I felt this pressure to have a lot of different clothes because I went to school with all these like very wealthy people that had like a lot of really nice clothes. Doesn't mean they had a lot of them. They just had nice things. But for me, it's like I would get nice things too, but I'd want as many as I could have. And it was this like secret competition in my mind of like, I have 80 shirts hanging in my closet. I have 32 belts. I would keep this inventory, but nobody knew it. It was, and it wasn't like I went around bragging about it. It was this this self-fulfilling ego concept of, I have, you know, 22 pairs of pants and I got two last week. So I'm up to, so I'm up from 20 to 22. And, you know, even in my adult life, I would have a bunch of stuff in my closet and I would count it and I'd be like, oh my God, I have so many shirts. Like I have more than enough. Like I will never run out of things to wear. And after doing this process and getting rid of 50% of my stuff and actually I'm still discovering things about myself. But when I wrote this post today, I realized like this whole game of numbers and quantity came from when I was a kid, but still I, I stock up, you know, I stock up and without even thinking, like consuming without even thinking, because I don't like to spend a lot of money on things because I like to have more things. Mm -hmm. So now what has happened is a month after I did this exercise, I walked into Prada in New York. I was in New York and I always would, before I spent any 
good amount of money on anything. I would deliberate for months. I would look to different places to see where I could get the deal. Like very budget conscious, almost like that was my thing. I found these beautiful pair of burgundy platform uh, brogues or wingtips from Prada. And I've been wanting to get a pair of platform shoes from either Prada or Scucci or something like that. But I could never justify the cost. And I walked into that store and I found this pair of shoes and they were beautiful. And they were 870 bucks. And I didn't really think twice about it. But before the salesperson rang it up, I said, give me a second. And I held them up just the way I did in my floor when I did the process at my home of going through things. I held the shoes up. I looked at them and I felt the spark of joy. And I said, okay, I can get them. I don't buy anything in a store now if it doesn't spark joy. Oh, that's Um, great. So it wasn't about how much they cost. It was about, it was like a worthiness factor. And I have those shoes now and I'm very proud of them. And and my husband was like, I can't believe you did that because he spends a lot of money on clothes. I don't. And he's like, you're the cheapest person I know. I cannot believe you walked in a store and under 30 minutes walked out with a pair of $800 shoes. And I'm like, because I know my worth now and I know that I can afford them because I'm not going forward. I'm not going to buy like... 10 pairs of $30 shoes from like eBay or Poshmark or whatever those places are. Yeah, well, how did your husband, I'm curious, react to you at the various stages of the Kamari process? Was he on board with it? Did did it rub off on him? What were some of his just comments or reactions? Oh, God. (laughs) It has not rubbed off on him. It has not rubbed off on him. The beauty of all of this is, is part of that closet that felt so crazy was, it was a huge walk-in closet that we shared. And in the move, I was like, we're not going to share a closet. I've taken over these two closets downstairs. Like they're not even like near the bedroom, but uh, one of them's like a linen closet and one of them's like this other kind of like storage closet. And I was like, I don't care. I'm going to make these my own so that we don't Mm -hmm. have to share a closet this way. It's only my stuff. And so he, he was skeptical in that he's like, all right, well, we'll see. Mm -hmm. And when I did the process, I, she says to write down what you want to achieve from it. And without even thinking, and she does say first thing that comes to your mind, I said, I want to feel clean, free, grounded, and on time. And as soon as I wrote that, I was like, oh, that makes sense because I'm always late. Uh, I'm always running 10 minutes behind. I'm always rushing and not leaving enough time for myself. And I don't always feel clean because there's a lot of shit around. There's a lot of clutter. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of disorganization. And as a result of that, I don't feel grounded. And I definitely don't feel free. Like there are times where I will like go out on a Saturday to run some errands and I stay out longer to go shopping because I don't want to come home because I know that I need to like clean or organize something. This was pre Mari. Right. And so my husband was like, we'll see. We'll see about this. So I did it. Luckily, I did it when he was at work. I worked for myself so I could, you know, I, I took that very seriously in the book that like, make this your sacred space, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. take your time. Uh, so I did it. I turned off my phone. I didn't do any music. And I did it when I knew I would be alone. I took my dog to daycare. There was nobody bothering me. And so he would leave for work and then he'd come home and I had all the clothes done. 
And then he'd leave for work and he'd come home and I'd have all the shoes done. He'd leave for work, come home, and I had all the paperwork done. 15 bags of paperwork. I had no idea I had this much paperwork. So what has happened is once I did the process and we moved and I got my closets organized, I was like, come look at my closet. And he was like, oh my God. He's like, it looks like a retail store. He's like, it looks like a high-end boutique. And these are not nice closets. Like the closets are not pretty, but the way I have organized and hung my stuff is. And so he's impressed by that. But what also is different is we were leaving to go on a trip not long after I did the process. And it was, the car was coming at 7 a.m. And I was sick waiting in in the hallway for the car to come with my luggage and I'm always the one that's running around and he's like come on we gotta go we gotta go and I was like waiting for him and he's like holy I've never seen this (laughs) he actually took a picture of it he's like I've never I've never seen this Hmm. like I've never seen you be on time and so you know clean grounded relaxed and on time not every day But I'm pretty organized. And I will say this too. You know, there were times, there are times where it's like, oh, I've waited a little bit too long. I need to do laundry. And then I do so much laundry that I don't feel like putting it away because I know I have to organize it. And so it'll sit in the laundry room for a while. And then I'll start getting that gnawing, unjoy feeling of like, I have to, (laughs) I have to put that away and I have to organize now. I have to start with a clean slate. And, uh, you know, things don't always get done immediately, but that kind of joy antenna lets me know, like, you're avoiding this and you got to get back on it. But the thing is, I've done the process and so I know right where to pick back up. Mm-hmm. And I know if things are getting a little bit organi- disorganized, I know where mm-hmm. they go. It's not like, oh, I have to reinvent the organization. It's like, you know where that goes. You know where you put that. You know where that goes. You know how to fold those socks. And so it's just literally a matter of, not every day is perfect. Not every day is organized. Some days my closet looks like a tornado hit it, but within <laughs> a half hour, I can get it right back to the boutique. Right, which is exactly the whole the whole point of, of everything having a permanent home. It really makes it so clear as to where things go and, and where they belong, and it does make it so much easier to put things back. Marie Kondo talks about this idea that everything should be the focus of organization should be on returning items to their proper home. So, and you just described that beautifully. But I have a question because I think a lot of folks, when they go through this process and they imagine themselves getting rid of so many things or such a large percentage of their things, they become concerned that they will have regrets about the things that, that leave them. What about your experience in that regard? Have you let go of anything that you regretted? It's so funny. So I did this, uh, I did a segment on a morning show here two weeks ago. And, and that was something that they asked me. And she was like, did you, is there anything that you regret? And I was like, nope, not yet. But since then, as I live in Minnesota, the weather has taken a turn towards winterish. So it's in the thirties now. (laughs) And I'm thinking of a couple of things that I don't think I have anymore. I also did this process in the summer. So Mm -hmm. it's a little bit, 
it's a little bit tough because it is harder when you're doing a season that you're not in. I don't necessarily regret like, oh, I wish I had that back, but I'm in that place now where as the seasons are changing, I'm like, should I have kept some stuff that I didn't? Sure. So we'll see, but nothing mm-hmm. major, nothing mm-hmm. major. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I couldn't marry during my move from Virginia to Chicago. So obviously a bit of adjustment climate wise. And I, <laughs> I was, of course, I mean, everyone was just telling me I was going to freeze to death and scaring me and to the point where I was like, oh, I don't even know what I'm going to wear in the new city. But I, I, I don't know, this process didn't make me panic that I was letting anything go. It also made me more in tune with what I had or what I didn't have. And it prepared me to just make sure that the new clothes coming in fit my adjusted lifestyle. And I'm a year or so mm-hmm. has passed now, and I'm only just now buying sweaters uh, that now are appropriate yeah. for this weather. And and when I say sweaters, I mean like three or four <laughs> sweaters. And I'm really in tune to how right. they make me feel when I put them on. And I feel like I almost feel like it's it's helping me settle in here and really taking ownership of and feeling comfortable about where I live now and my new phase in life. So yeah, it's not it's not really mm-hmm. regret, exactly. like because I, I know that anything that's going to come with anything it's a lesson so with any any purchase that comes later mm-hmm. it's usually better than whatever i would have held on to um so yeah it, it i totally get what you're saying and and i love um the fact that yeah you feel like you were comfortable with your decisions and you're standing strong in that well, i'm also testing that theory in the book that she says do not feel bad about getting rid of things because whatever you get rid of will come back to you in a different form. Mm -hmm. So if I give away 50% of my wardrobe, like what's Mm -hmm. coming back for me? And, you know, the other thing that she says is like certain things in your life will clear up or relationships or whatever, or you'll have more clarity. And it's interesting. I'd met an editor of Minneapolis St. Paul magazine back last winter and she said she was open to article pitches, but I never felt like I had anything really significant to pitch. And, Mm -hmm. you know, after I did this process, I pitched it and she said, yes. And I wrote my article and it was like the first time a writer and it's the first time I got published locally since I moved here. And they did a whole photo shoot in the magazine. And so that picture is worth a thousand words for branding. And then Mm -hmm. I got invited on to, a radio show that the editor also runs. And then from there I got, uh, I met somebody who I met somebody and his wife and I didn't know what they did. And I was telling the wife about the article that was coming out in the MSP mag. And she's like, Oh, I need to do that. And she's like, my husband's a producer on Fox. Like they should do a segment about this. People need to know this. And she like, motioned him and she's like, you got to meet Doug. You got to meet Doug. And, you know, I sent him my information and he forwarded on. It turns out he was a producer for several shows and he forwarded it. And the morning show watched or one of the morning show producers saw my kit of stuff and saw the article and and she was like we'd love to do a segment with you we really you know whatever you did with the article and this closet cleansing process really kind of caught our attention and so so I went on for that and then from there you know I shared the link and then my sister shared it and some of her friends are starting to do it and then a producer that had read the book but had never 
carried on with the process, saw the segment on Fox. And so she did it over the weekend after it aired and went into the studio with before and after pictures. And they repurposed my segment and showed her before and after pictures. And, you know, then I came across your Instagram and your podcast and I reached out to you and you're having me on here. And so what I'm finding is two things. One, like, this is op- this is opening up my mm-hmm. career sector. Like I'm not saying like oh I'm going to be a Conmare like organizer, but just by doing it but having like a voice mm-hmm. cuz I'm a writer or I do on camera stuff, I've been able to get the message out through multimedia in a way that somehow people are very compelled to hear it at this moment. And right. so I'm seeing not only am I helping people, like I'm getting more recognition you know it's like i've now done and that tv appearance they're having me back on again next week to talk about meditation so that somehow the success of that tv spot has solidified like oh this guy's an expert he has some stuff that's compelling and so what happened by doing this process is like my mind is more clear and i'm open and available for more opportunities and so i'm testing the universe right now i'm seeing that if I get rid of what doesn't serve me in my life and what's not joyful, what will come in its place? So I'm in a really cool part of my life right now, seeing like there's nothing, in, there's literally nothing in my life right now that does not spark joy. And I feel like my husband and I are thriving. Uh, I feel very, I feel a very close relationship with my creative outlets, like my blog, my Instagram, taking pictures. I'm working on passion projects right now. Uh, collaborating with people locally. And I just feel like, I feel like my world's opening up and it's just beginning. That's so great. So after, after hearing what you've had to say about how life-changing um, Kanmai has been for you and where, and how it's brought you to this place in your life that sounds so great and, and rich and full of, full of possibility, what would you say is the thing that sparks the most joy for you at this point in time? Opportunities like this. I've been looking forward to this. Just opportunities like what's come out of the book and what's happening in my creativity and work sector. It's really it's really gratifying uh, that that something that I did on a personal level, like in my closet, I'm a gay man. I spent a lot of my life in the closet and I find such irony that I had to go back into my closet, clean it out and get it organized and then tell the world about it. And people are, you know, catching on to this message. But I, what I would say is truly sparking joy is finding everything is connecting in my life right now, running across your podcast and listening to your podcast and finding you on Instagram and reaching out or, you know, getting to do a segment on TV and then a producer who'd read the book but never got through with it took this as her sign to do it. Uh, What's sparking joy for me is that this book is, it's like, I don't know if it's a domino effect. I don't know if it's, just the laws of the universe that what you put out is what comes back to you. But I'm just, I keep encountering people that are either doing this, have done it or heard about it or saw me write about it or, you know, or it had nothing to do with me. I'll be in a coffee shop and I'll hear somebody talking about like spark joy and I'll be like, Oh my God. Like 
I feel like I'm part of this large tribe that I'm connected to. Uh, and yeah, it's opened up just so many doors for me. And so it's, it's not like, oh, I'm looking at like my closet and it's sparking joy. It's like, it's the essence of what this book has opened up for me. And I feel like it's going to continue to unfold. I mean, this is an example of that. Well, Doug, we are so excited and happy and grateful that the universe has pointed you in our direction. And we loved having you on this show. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. To connect with Doug, you can find him on Instagram at The World of Doug, or you can visit his website at theworldofdoug.com, where he maintains a great blog, which includes the post on his Kanmai experience. We'll have this in the show notes, along with a link to his interview on Fox 9 and the Twin Cities. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. You can also join the discussion on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at SparkJoyPodcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey, of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago, and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with KonMari Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of KonMari Media Incorporated or the KonMari Consultant Community.